Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. Have you ever felt like God told you to do something? Anyone? You felt like God spoke to you about doing something with your life. And you thought that because he asked you, it would be a little easier. Or maybe a little more simple. And you thought, well, because you said it, God, I thought that you would meet me right where I need you. And it didn't quite work out that way. And if you've ever felt like God has called you to do something, and then you wondered in the middle of that, God, where are you right now? I thought that you called me and asked me. I feel like this message is for you tonight. If you've ever wanted a, like a sit-down chat with God, where you would have an important meeting and you would say to him, hey, I'm a little disappointed with your lack of commitment to the things that I'm putting my hand to right now. I'm a little disappointed with your lack of commitment to my purposes. If you've ever felt like that, man, God is really going to speak to you tonight. I want to speak to you about a message between here and there. And I want to read a passage of scripture to you. It comes out of Colossians. But before I do that, I thought I would take a moment just to explain what this letter is all about. Uh, This letter is written by the apostle Paul, and he's writing to the Colossians, but he was also writing to the church in Herapolis and Laodicea. And this letter was designed to be read out in all three churches. And he, he wrote this letter for a very specific reason because, well, to be honest, they were new Christians. And I, that kind of makes sense because I think around about this time, everyone was a new Christian. There weren't too many generational pastors and leaders because uh, Christianity is kind of new. And so in these three uh, cities where churches were, uh, people were listening to the word of God. And yes, they had made a decision to follow Jesus, but they were new Christians. And they were surrounded by other religions and other belief systems. And so then they started listening to what other people were saying. And Paul was very, very concerned that these new Christians that have just given their lives to Jesus and started out on this path towards growing their relationship with God would encounter some opposition or some tough circumstances. And because of that, they would be discouraged from continuing to pursue whatever it is that God had asked them to do. I know so many people like that. So many people that started off well and somewhere along the way they got discouraged because they encountered something that they didn't predict, something that they didn't expect. And they thought, you know, this Christian thing is a little bit more difficult than I first anticipated. And so they, in the end, they don't really make it. And Paul's concerned about a whole bunch of guys that don't really make it. So he writes this letter and he likes to remind them of, of the truth and the gospel. And so in his letter, he starts to write out who Jesus is. And if you start to read through uh, Colossians, you'll read these great descriptions about who Jesus is uh, because he wanted them to understand that. And so he writes it to them, hoping that when they encounter what he says is truth, that they will be transformed in hearing that truth and they will be discouraged from maybe quitting early, maybe giving up too soon, maybe, you know, getting a little bit down the track and then saying, this whole Christian thing is too hard. I'm going to go in an easier direction. And so he says, no, 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 no. You need to hear the truth because if it's true, it's no good going anywhere else. You might as well stick with what's true. At least you know it is. And so he writes this letter, and I want to read a a passage of Scripture 
It comes out of uh, Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 24. And he says, Now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake. What a strange individual. I mean, he rejoices in suffering. So he says, I rejoice in my suffering for your sake. And in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister and a steward, according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. The mystery, hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints, to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of his glory and uh, of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ, he says in verse 29, for this, for this purpose, to present people mature in Christ, he toils and struggles with all his energy that he powerfully works in me. Um, I don't know if you've ever felt like you were going the wrong way in life. You ever felt like that? Where circumstances around you sort of indicated that maybe you were headed in the wrong direction and then you might want to stop and turn around and go back the other way. I was driving home from church probably about 12 months ago, and I'm on Manchester Road in Moral Bark, and it is split by a very large garden bed, so there are two streets going this way and two streets going the other way, and there is no way that you could get this wrong. And yet, despite the fact that I believe that, I am driving home, and I see in the lane that I am in two headlights that just peek over the rise. And I thought, that's unusual. It's a little unusual to see headlights in the same lane that you're driving in. And I saw it and I thought, uh, maybe he's going to understand and realize and he's going to turn off. But he just accelerated towards me. So I pulled over onto the side of the road. And I'm giving him all these kind of signals. Not like these signals, but, but like signals. And I'm giving him these signals and saying, you are headed the wrong way. You need to stop and go back. You know, what's funny on the road is that whenever you try to communicate anything to anyone, they always think that you're in the wrong. And so he looks at me like, what are you talking about? And I'm not so concerned about me because I pulled over, but there's a whole heap of cars that are coming behind me. And I'm like, you need to go back the other way. He didn't get it. So he kept going the wrong way. And I feel like in life sometimes, wouldn't it be just so much easier if like on the roads, there were these big signs that said to you, uh, you are headed the wrong way. You need to stop the direction that you're going. You need to turn around and head back the other way. But I found that life is not really like street signs. It doesn't really have those big signs for us to read. In fact, driving through life is kind of like driving in the country. You haven't seen any signs for a while, so you just kind of make up your own speed limit and rules and whatever else you're going to do. And that's what life is like. And and people do the exact same thing. And and I'm just wondering tonight what what it would take for you to suddenly realize that you were headed in the wrong direction. What would it take for you? What would you take as a sign, as an indicator from heaven or from people? What would you take as a sign that it was a potentially dangerous path that you were on or that you were headed in the wrong direction? Man, I read about this guy, the Apostle Paul, 
And there's just no two ways about it. I think that he is one of the most hardcore characters that you will find in the Bible anywhere. I'm going to go ahead and be honest, because if I had this man's life, I would be absolutely certain I was going the wrong direction. I would be so sure of that. I mean, with all the stuff that Paul's had to go through in life, surely he thought maybe being a Christian, this is just going in the wrong direction because things don't really seem to be working out. And God, I thought that you called me in, but now I'm here and, and, and I realize that things aren't working out. Maybe, maybe I am going the wrong direction. If you listen to some of the stuff that Paul had to go through, just let me read it out to you and you can listen to some of the challenges that he faced. Second Corinthians uh, chapter 11, it says this, that he's faced far greater labors than most people, far more imprisonments, more imprisonments, far more. So in other words, he's been to prison lots of times. He's a jailbird. I mean, surely if you're in prison, you'd stop, you'd take a moment, reflect and say, I don't really know if this is working out. He's been in prison all the time with countless beatings, countless Imagine if you were beaten up so many times, you literally could not remember how many times it had happened. Countless beatings, often near death. Often, people. Often. Like, I feel like sometimes we just read this and you just want to skim over the passage. He is often, quite frequently, near death. Surely this is an indicator he's going the wrong way. He says, five times I received at the hands of the Jews, 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. And it was not recreational or medicinal. He was stoned with actual stones and that would have hurt. And he goes on to say, three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys. Now listen to what is dangerous to Paul. Now, I know this doesn't feel like it's dangerous to you, but it's dangerous to Paul. He says, I'm in danger of rivers. You know how they just jump out at you like that. In danger from rivers, in danger from robbers, in danger from my own people, in danger from Gentiles, in danger from cities, in danger in the wilderness. I mean, this guy can't go anywhere. Danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often, there's that word again, often without food, he's often going without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from all of that, he has this anxiety in his heart for all the churches. And you would think that with all the suffering that Paul has gone through, that surely, surely he's headed the wrong way. I wonder how many of us would take what Paul has had to go through in life and think to themselves, this can't be God. He cannot be in this because if he was in this, I wouldn't be going through all of this suffering. But he must know something that we don't because this guy actually rejoices in suffering. Like rejoices. Now, I know plenty of people that endure suffering. I know people that accept suffering. Well, you know, just have to go through this. But I don't even really know if I know anyone that fully rejoices in suffering. That is like the next level. And he must understand something about the suffering that he's going through. He must understand something about the the pain that he's experiencing. No one enjoys suffering. It's like leg day at the gym. No one enjoys it. You just do it sometimes because you have to. The only guy that really enjoys it is Russell Kahn. 
He's the only guy that actually enjoys it. But apart from him, people don't enjoy leg day. It's suffering, but it's got a purpose attached to it. I think maybe the reason why Paul was able to rejoice in some of his suffering is because he understand that there was a purpose that was attached to it. Man, everything to the Apostle Paul must have been screaming and shouting. Hey, you're going through some really hard times right now. I think you just need to quit. I think you need to give up. But this guy doesn't know when to quit. He's, he just keeps going. What does Paul understand that maybe we don't know about suffering? Let me tell you this. Don't assume that just because you're suffering that you're going the wrong direction. Don't assume that because everything's not falling into place immediately that you're headed the wrong direction. You might be headed in the right direction, but if you have it in your mind that when you start to follow God, that it's just blissful happiness, you may misunderstand what God's doing in your situation and in your circumstances. What if I told you that God's ultimate plan and goal for you in life was not for you to be happy? Would that change the way that you look at your circumstances? Maybe you take a second look at the direction you were going and say, well, maybe God wants to do something to me or through me in this circumstance. And I kind of feel like for some people that might be here tonight, you believe that God's called you. You know it. In your heart, you know it. He spoke to you. You wrote it down. And you know that he's asking you to do something. But when you stepped out to do it, it was not as easy as you anticipated. And when you encountered some significant opposition, you decided, well, maybe I'm going the wrong direction because you start going through suffering. And oftentimes suffering can be enough to cause anybody to reconsider their previously held position and think, do I really want to do this with my life? Do I really want to go in this direction? I don't know. It it feels kind of painful. I've discovered that pain can come in all kinds of forms. Sometimes pain might be that you stepped out in faith and you believed that financially God was going to meet your needs. So you stepped out in faith and then you found that you couldn't pay your bills. Now you're stressed. Now you've got anxiety about what's happening. The phone call rings. Who is it coming to, to, to check and repossess my car or something? I don't know. Sometimes it can be financial. You launched a business that God told you to, to, to launch. And then you thought that all the clients would fall into your lap, but it didn't work out the way that you wanted. You studied the course that God called you to study. And now you're fully qualified, but you can't get a job. And meanwhile, while you're saying, God, I felt like you called me to do it. But in the middle of all of this, I'm just wondering, you can show up anytime now, anytime you're ready. I'm just ready for blessing. I'm ready for you to bring it on, right? Except it's not happening. And I think about that. You know what an amazing truth is? You can do everything right and still go through suffering. And what are you supposed to do with that? What do you do with it? What do you do when you're here? That's where you are. What do you do when you're here and yet you know God's calling you to be over there? And you're here in your circumstances and you want to get to there, but you just don't know how. More than that, you're not even sure anymore if God is really in it. And if you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, man, I'm so glad that you are here to listen to this message because you think that this is a message about Christian people 
listening to God and sticking with the plan and seeing it through. No, 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 no. This is just a message about God getting people from here to there. Now, I don't know where your there is. I don't know where everybody's there is. But if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, I 100% tonight know exactly where God wants you to be. He wants you to be there. There is in a relationship with him. There is when you've come to a place where you say, God, I cannot make it on my own. In fact, the entire gospel message really centers about God getting us from where we are to where he wants us to be. The entire gospel message is really about the fact that we were totally unable to get ourselves there in the first place. If you're not a Christian, please understand this. You cannot do any good enough works or or enough works and with all your behavior and trying to get everything right, you can never do enough to impress God. Lucky for us, we were so aware, God was so aware of that, that he sent Jesus to live the perfect life that we couldn't live. And then he gave us Jesus's perfect life in our place. When we say, God, would you forgive me of my sin? I, I, I realize I've gone the wrong way. Now I want to turn around and go back. God wants to take you from where you are to where he wants you to be, but it's not always easy. There's always an alternative to there. Have you ever noticed that? There's always an alternative to there. There's always a way to shortcut your growth. There's always a way for you to get out of the direction that God's calling you to go. Do you notice that when Jesus was led into the wilderness. He was tempted by the devil over a period of 40 days and 40 nights while he prayed and while he fasted. I think that there are many Christians that if the Spirit of God actually led them anywhere where they were being tempted or or had to face some of those temptations, they would say, no, 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 this cannot be the Spirit. He wouldn't do anything like that. Doesn't he want me to be happy? Doesn't he want me to just have life that's easier? And yet we read right here that in fact, God, God, led Jesus out into the desert to be tempted. And while he was out there, the the enemy of his soul, Satan, he offered him every alternative to there. Every alternative. Because while God might want to move you from here to there, the enemy will do everything he can to stop you from actually getting there. And he'll offer anything in its place. Oh, Jesus, why don't you just bow down and and worship me? And then all that you can see, I'll give you everything that you can see. Oh, Jesus, why why don't you turn these stones into bread, you know, and and, throw yourself off this mountain and let the angels catch you. Just why don't you just obey me, Jesus, do anything, but be who you were created to be. I mean, in an earthly sense, he was born in human likeness and then went and paid the penalty for our sins the enemy of your soul would have done everything to stop jesus from actually getting there to try to get him to quit see i've learned something about being on the path and going somewhere in life is that when you think you can make it you'll never be tempted to give it up but the moment you think that you are going through suffering and you're not exactly sure that god's still in it then temptation is very tempting at that point you're interested in an alternative Because isn't it better to just succeed somewhere else than to continue to go through the hard stuff that you've been facing? Sometimes it's so much easier to just give in and and sell out and not do what God wants you to do. This is what I'm saying. You, You always got options. You've always got options. And you can, you can compromise 
Or you can contend. I love the Apostle Paul because this guy is a contender. He is a contender. He, he, he is the guy that will stick with it. And, and the Apostle Paul, something that you should know about him, meant he had it good. He was a Pharisee and he gave up his easy life of being a Pharisee for a very difficult one of being a Christian. Why would anybody do that? Well, the answer is really simple, actually. He had an encounter with Jesus. And once you've been exposed to the truth about who Jesus is, at that point, you are transformed forever. And no longer can you continue to go in the easy direction, knowing it's wrong, because there's something inside of you that says, I can't do it. I can't do it. So he gave up an easy life being a Pharisee where he would have been honored and revered for being a Christian where he was beaten up and in danger from pretty much everything on planet Earth. I mean, you look back over that passage, is in danger, imprisonment and beatings, often near death. Why would anyone do that? The Apostle Paul lived to age 58 and he spent most of his life going through some of the toughest stuff I think, why would anybody do that? And I think it's because Paul the Apostle, after having an encounter with Jesus, he saw the big sign for his life, I mean. He saw the big sign. He understood something about life. I think the very reason that he wrote this letter is because he saw a sign. And this is the sign. If it was tomorrow's newsline, new Christians fall easy prey or fall prey to easy alternative. New Christians quit Christianity because it was more difficult than they imagined. New Christians decided to quit because there was something out there that, that, that promised them happiness. And so they went after that. I mean, this is why I'm not a news editor, because I would be terrible at this job. But my point is this, you know, my point is this. They saw, he saw tomorrow's headline and he said, I can't have this. More than that, it was Paul's job. See, he didn't just see the headline he understood that he was meant to do something about it. <clears throat> you notice that every time Paul writes one of his letters, he says, I, Paul, an apostle appointed by God, I've been given stewardship of these churches. I was called to look after them. Paul understands who he's supposed to be. And when he sees a terrible picture of what could be, he's compelled to respond. He needs to do something about it because you can't ignore what's in your heart. When you see something that you know needs to be shifted and changed, you can't ignore it. And I'm just wondering tonight how many people are here that due to some pain, some experience, maybe some previous experience that you've had, you've been avoiding what God wants to do in your life. You've been trying to avoid it. I wonder what's in your heart right now that's just bugging you, but you know it's really difficult, so you've just been ignoring it. Let me tell you something. Don't ignore it. You will live to regret it. I'll tell you a little story. Actually, this week, this very week, uh, I started full-time. I quit my job. I used to work in recruitment. I quit my job, started working full-time at Activate Church in 2009. So eight years ago this week, I, I started working here. And when I stepped onto the team, in all honesty, um, it was great. I, I mean, I, I loved, I, I wanted to work for the church, and I, was, I felt very honored and very happy to come here and, and to work, you know, uh, in, in ministry and and so, for the most part, in all honesty, it was great, but I'll tell you the truth. 
there was, there was one person that, um, you know, it, I, made things a little difficult for me. Uh, like, in, in all honesty, it, they would shut me down in conversations. And, and they were a leader that was more senior than me. And so, and so every time I'd go to speak or say something, they'd say, thank you. And, and they wouldn't listen to me. And every idea I had wasn't going to work. And, and they just kind of made things difficult for me. And I, I don't know if it was because I was the first full-timer that the church had employed. And I don't, I don't know, maybe that was intimidating for some reason. I, to be honest, I have no idea. But, but I, I know that every time that there was a conversation. If this person was in charge of the meeting and it would get to me, they would skip me and go to the next person. And it was embarrassing. I mean, not for me, for them. I mean, other people would come to me and they say, hey, have you noticed that this person, that, that she just kind of skips over you? I said, yes, I have noticed that. I'm so glad that other people have been seeing that. And, and so one night I was out with some friends and I, and I was sitting back and I was just relaxing. And uh, this person, the, the name came up and I just kind of told everybody uh, that was there. It wasn't a large group of people, but I just kind of told them what I thought about this person. Because, in all honesty, they had been making life difficult for me. Now, let me tell you this. What I said wasn't wrong. It wasn't wrong. But I shouldn't have said it. So I forgot about that. I just kept on doing life and ministry. Fast forward, you know, three, four years, and now I'm asked to take over the church. So I become the senior pastor of the church, and the first three months were, were kind of challenging. We had a whole heap of things that didn't go exactly the way that we had intended, and one of those was that we lost our building. We didn't, we didn't have one. So we searched everywhere to get a building. I mean, everywhere. We, we were finding buildings, but no car parks. Great car parks, no building. You know, it's like to find both together was really challenging and and it was, it was very difficult, but we couldn't find anything. And so one time I, I came to God, I said, Lord, I said, I have done everything that I can do. But what I need right now is for you to break through into my circumstances. I need you to do what I have thus far been unable to do. Would you please find us a building, find us a location, find us something. And he speaks back to me and he says to me, okay. He says, do you remember that thing that you said about that person? Like four years ago, I said, yeah. He said, I want you to go and apologize. I said, no, that is so awkward. First of all, I'm not even sure that I feel like I should apologize. But but second of all, and all of that, we actually have a good relationship. We're so far past that. Can you imagine how awkward it would be for me to bring this up with this person all the way down this track? And I'm like, I don't want to, I really don't want to do that. But I kind of got it in my mind that unless I made a decision to do this, that we were going to continue to be stuck without a building. So I called up this person and I said to her, um, I said, hey, how you doing? They're like, oh, great. Great to hear from you. I said, yeah. Uh, so I was wondering if you um, wanted to catch up for a coffee. And she said to me, oh, you mean like we'll get the families together? Like, you know, uh, you want to, and, and you want my husband to be there? And I was like, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, just, just you. You just want to have coffee with me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just would love to have a coffee with you if that's okay. I mean, it was awkward. 
I hung up the phone. I'm like, oh, thank God that's over. We made a time to meet. Anyway, so we went out for coffee. And we're sitting down. And we're having great coffee. And, and then I said, look, the reason I brought you here is because I, I, I need to talk to you about something. And, and I, I want to explain the context before I, I tell you what I brought you here to say. I said, you don't, when you apologize, make sure you do a good job of it. So I said to this person, you don't have to own any of this. I'm not asking you to apologize. I'm not saying that you need to say that you were sorry. You don't have to own any of this. I'm just trying to give you some context. When I first started in ministry, you made things kind of challenging for me. Other people were coming to me. One night I was out with some friends and, and your name came up and I, I, I told them something. I, I just, I told them what I thought about you and, and I shouldn't have done it. And I'm sorry. And I'm here to ask you, would you please forgive me? And at that moment, I was thinking to myself, Lord, do you remember when you miraculously helped Philip the evangelist to disappear, dematerialize in the Bible, and you positioned him somewhere else? Well, Lord, if you could just do that for me right now so that I didn't have to get through the second part of this conversation, I would be forever in your debt. I know I'm already in your debt, but this will be like double in your debt. So if you could just do that for me, that'd be great. But he didn't do it. He left me there to finish the conversation. And so I, I look at this person. She says, can I be honest with you? She said, I was going through such hard stuff and I, I didn't realize that I did that and I never intended to do that. And, I'm, and she's like, I'm sorry about that. I'm like, you don't need to say it. I don't even care. I'm just here because God told me to be. This is awkward for me, okay? Right? And, and we're, I'm fine. You're fine. We're all fine, right? And so I did what God said. And within one week, we had found this building put in an offer and it was accepted. And it was nothing short of miraculous how everything for this place unfolded. And I believe that it happened because I listened to God and I did what was difficult but right. And I'll tell you right now, everyone wants to make decisions that are easy and right. But I've often found it doesn't happen that way. Oftentimes, things are difficult and right. And if you start to ignore what's difficult and right in your life to take the path of what's easy and wrong, you're going to start to live with some regret because you'll know that you always sold out and you always went the wrong direction and you didn't do what God really wanted you to do. If you quit while you're here, you're never going to get there. If you quit while you're here, you're never going to end up where God wants you to be. And I know that between here and there, there may be some profoundly challenging experiences. And that's why you need to find a compelling enough reason to stick around. A compelling enough reason to see it through. A compelling enough reason not to take the easy alternative, not to start to look at other options. Do you remember that Jesus said that the harvest is plentiful? Do you know what that means? There's so much work, but the laborers are few because the work is difficult. The harvest is plentiful. There's lots of work to be done, but we just can't find laborers. Why? It's a hard job. And the apostle Paul, he had a hard job. He knew 
knew what his job was to do. He was to preach the gospel to people that hadn't heard it. After they did, he'd disciple them. He'd mentor them. And then he'd make them mature disciples in Christ. For this, it says that he toiled and he struggled. Toil means hard work. Paul said to do what God called me to do, it was hard work. And just because God called me didn't mean that it was all easy and it all unfolded perfectly. It was hard work. It was difficult. He says, for this purpose, I struggled. Struggle, figuratively speaking, it means to contend with an adversary. To contend, and that's what Paul did. He contended when there were other options available to him. And the reason that he decided to contend is he found a compelling enough reason to stay. And here was his reason. He said, my suffering is worth their future. The stuff that I go through, it's worth it. Because I'm going to go through this and some of this stuff is going to be difficult for me. But when I do, I know that there are going to be people that call Jesus Lord because I did it. And it was, it's, it's hard. But it's right. It's difficult. But it's the right thing to do. Don't, don't do what's easy and wrong. Do what's difficult and right. I just wonder what what you need to contend for in your life that's both difficult and right. Because if you don't contend for it, you, you might just quit. And if you quit while you're here, you'll never get there. And this is not where God wants you to be. There is where he may have appointed you. And it might be difficult, but if it's right, you do it. Don't sell out for what's easy and wrong. Do what's difficult and right. And I don't know about you, but in all honesty, this is what I think. I think, well, you know, God. If you wanted me to do it, you could have made it easier. I mean, come on. If you wanted me to do it, you could have made this easier on me. You didn't have to make it so challenging. You didn't have to make it so difficult. I look at the life of Paul and I think, man, how did this guy keep going with all the things that he faced? If, if some of us went through what Paul went through, the beatings, the suffering, the imprisonment, and we had to go through what Paul went through, I'm, I'm sure that we would look at it and say, God's not in this. I'm going the wrong way. I'm going to quit the direction that I'm going. But that would be the wrong move because where he was going was right. It was just difficult. That's all. That's all it was. It was just difficult. And I thought, how did this guy actually do it? Because I don't know. And, and I've read this passage, honestly, like so many times. I love the book of Colossians, but I read this verse 29 and I saw something that I'd never seen before. And it's that he says, for this, I toil and I struggle. Now I'm familiar with toil. It's hard work. I'm familiar with hard work. I know what hard work feels like. I'm familiar with struggle. I know what it feels like to struggle. I know what it feels like to contend with some kind of adversary, be that whatever it is. I know what it feels like to contend. But how did Paul do it? And I saw something that I haven't read before. And he says this in verse 29. He says, for this I toil and struggle with all his energy. With all 
His energy. See, when I toil and struggle, I, I know, I, I feel tired. I, I know what that feels like. And I'm familiar with struggle. But Paul does it differently. And I, I looked at this and I thought, I wonder if I've always toiled and struggled with his energy or have I always been using mine and now I look at it and I see Paul's secret I see how he was able to keep going and and if you just think about it for a minute if you were able to tap in to the limitless supply of God's energy do you know how big he is or have you forgotten because things were too difficult do you know how significant he is do you know how powerful he is I mean he literally breathes out stars and we're going through struggles and we're saying I'm getting tired I don't know if I'm able to do it and he says well maybe what you should be doing is instead of expending all of your energy and getting tired and always feeling like you're burnt out maybe you should learn Paul's secret which is to start to use his energy and it looks like this you just rest in him when there are things beyond your control so don't live with anxiety in your life always freaking out about what might happen don't you know if God called you he's going to also give you his energy so that you can see it through to completion and Paul says this he says oh man it's powerful I mean Paul is like the energizer bunny. The guy just keeps going and going and going and going and going. And I said, how's he going to do it? Now I get it. He's using all of God's energy. He's leaning into him. He's resting in him. When there are things that he can't control, he says, God, you've got this. Sometimes you've got to put down what you've been holding onto. I know it's getting heavy. Give it back to God and said, hey, if you call me. I know you're going to see this through. I don't understand everything about what's happening to me right now. And yes, I'm going through some struggles. But what I am going to do is I'm going to give this back to you because I can't carry it any longer. And if I do, I'm going to burn out. So rather than burn out, God, come. Just come. Just come and do what only you can do. And if you don't learn to do this, man, I tell you, I'm not so sure that you're going to make it. You might quit early. (laughs) You might end up taking an easy alternative and going down a path that God doesn't really want you to go down. Don't quit while you're here or you'll never get there. Learn to rest in what God has done for you. This is, this is your prayer. Are you ready for this? This is your prayer. God, right now, nobody knows this, but this is hard. I feel tired and I feel close to quitting I want to give up on this I thought that when you told me that you were going to help me that that would look different but here I am and God I need your help I just need you tonight I need you to begin to pour out into my life and do the impossible. And God, if you do this, I think I can make it. But without you, I'm not going to do it. So I ask you for your energy. Help me to lean into you, to rest in you, and to hand back to you the things that I am not called to carry. And I give this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you say that prayer, I feel like God is going to lift something off of you tonight. I want you to stand to your feet. We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.